eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue. blue. This, this is, pod, is for you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. The boys are back in town, or at least something like that. It is EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer, back with Orange and Blue Bloods. Knicks basketball back in action. So exciting, uh, a really exciting home stretch coming for the New York Knicks. We'll talk plenty about the games we got coming up. Finally, we can talk about actual basketball games as opposed to, you know, various, you know, random things that's over all-star break and hypotheticals for all season. We're back to talking Knicks basketball and how the season uh, progresses and, and where things will go. So we'll talk about these games we got coming up. We'll also talk about the return of Mitchell Robinson, who is set to return from his broken thumb. He's now about a month and a half from that injury. We'll talk about what his impact will be on the team as he returns to the lineup. And we'll go a little bit around the league. I know uh, we had some conversations about stuff happening around the league on our uh, mailbag podcast. So shout out to everybody again who uh, supported that. That was really awesome. Uh, well, there was a couple of details that happened. Some slightly Knicks-related, or at least it was Knicks-adjacent. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about that as well, and then we'll get out of here. So a great show lined up for you guys. Tommy Beer joins me as always. Tommy, what's up, man? What's going on? Happy to uh, have a little Knicks game on deck. Three games in four nights, so uh, we'll jump right back into the deep end here. Yes, we do. So let's get right to it. So, of course, this is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast hosted by Odyssey and WFAN. It is a podcast that you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature on your download streaming service so you can make sure you get these episodes. Of course, we drop three times a week. This is the last one we'll have this week. So make sure you hit that feature and give us a subscribe and give us a review and uh, and, and, and start whatever the five stars they do. Whatever your platform does, give us a review. Give us a comment. Let us know what you think of the show. Also, check us out on YouTube. We're on the Odyssey Sports channel. You find that there, um, and we drop our full episodes and the segments of these episodes on there as well. So check us out on YouTube and on your streaming service. So let's begin with the return of the New York Knicks. So after more than a week off, the Knicks are back in action. The Knicks are in Washington on Friday. That is when we're recording this podcast to face the Washington Wizards. They'll have to get payback from a game a couple weeks ago where the Wizards kind of put put it on the Knicks uh, at Madison Square Garden. So the Knicks in action against the Wizards. Then... Saturday, the Pelicans come to the Garden. Knicks return home, and they'll face New Orleans. That's when the team that's been sputtering through injuries, and then a major matchup on Monday night 
uh, the Knicks then hosting the Boston Celtics, the number one seeded Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference at Madison Square Garden. So uh, right now, the six Knicks currently sit in the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. They are a half game up on Miami, two games back uh, behind Brooklyn. So still plenty to play for as they try to maybe move up in the standings while also avoiding the dreaded playing tournament that comes from the seventh and tenth seeds that sit in the Eastern Conference. So I'll talk to uh, Tommy and start with this. When we talk about these this little stretch of games here, really throwing them right back into the action. You had this long break, and now here you go, three out of three games, four nights, never an easy stretch. What do you think is a realistic expectation for this team in this stretch? I know we, when Mitch Robinson went down, we kind of said on the show, hey, we don't know kind of what's going to happen with this team. And sure enough, they uh, in, the, in that stretch above 500, and they actually ended up moving up in the standings since Mitch Robinson went down. Where do you see the Knicks in this little short three-game stretch that they have here, and what would be realistic expectation for them? Yeah, I, I just think first and foremost, big picture, 22 games left this season. Um, mm-hmm. Enjoy it, Nick fans. Like, these are important yeah. games on a nightly basis now. These are fun. You know, we're, we're going to be in March next week, and, and it's been a long time. You know, it's, you know, I guess, you know, two years ago we, we had this type of excitement. But for the vast majority of the seasons uh, over the last 15, 20 years, these games have been meaningless at this point in the yep. season far more often than not, you know, you're worried about ping pong balls. And yeah. I'm looking watching, at mock drafts, mock <laughs> obsessed drafts over them. Yeah. Watching Duke play and Carolina play yeah. and, you know, overseas guys and all this other stuff. Like it's cool. Like we got something to talk about, something to get excited about. These games have import, um, you know, just the, the game tonight, the Hawks are potentially, you know, they're the eighth seed uh, currently. So, you know, obviously you want to stay ahead of them. Um, uh, so yeah, just, uh, you know, just some, you know, and we'll talk about it and, uh, you know, I, I, I hope you guys have been enjoying the pod so far. Um, but it looks like we'll have plenty of more excitement and, and intense and, you know, it's a, it's, it's optimism, optimism, it reigns supreme right now for good reason. Um, cause the Knicks have shown that, that they can compete on a nightly basis. That being said, um, these games are important going forward, obviously with the, the, you know, the half a game ahead of Miami, if you want to catch the nets, et cetera, you want to stay ahead of Atlanta. Looking at these three games in particular, I think two and one is is a, is a you know is a reasonable expectation. Um, the Celtics game obviously is going to be a difficult one, um, the yeah. most difficult of these three. Not only are the Celtics the top seed and the, you know they have the best record in the NBA, they are the they want to get some revenge on the Knicks. Um, you know, so you know they'll they'll be looking to uh, to, to come into Madison Square Garden um, amped up on Monday. Um, and it's also, you know, but, the, you know, although the Pelicans have been struggling, that's never an easy game. Um, it's going to be the second night of a back to back. The Hawks tonight, they're going to they're playing for a new coach. Obviously, yeah. they're all telling each other this is a fresh start. Um, yeah. Here we go. Let's make a push. We were in the conference finals two years ago. We we're just as talented as we were, if not more talented now um, with some of the other pieces we brought in. We're relatively healthy. Um, let's make the serious push. So um, I think two and one should be the the expectation. I think most Nick fans would sign up for two and one now. Um, but again, if you consider yourself a good team, you consider yourself one of the six best teams in the conference, you should be able to win two out of these three games. So yeah. um, we'll get off our first feel of it tonight when they when they travel. I'm sorry. I said the Hawks, the, the Wizards. They play the Wizards in Washington. Yes, yes. Um, so uh, 
a bit of a, you know, not quite as as good of a team as the as the Wizards. They'll, they'll play the Hawks again, um, I believe, next week. Uh, but the Wizards, again, you know, it's a, uh, I think the spread is two points. Knicks given two points. And the Wizards are a team that have beaten the Knicks uh, recently, as you mentioned in the in the monologue. So uh, we'll we'll see how it, how it shakes out. Um, but I would think a, a two and three record against Washington, Pelicans and Boston, a two and one record um, would be, uh, you know, kind of what they, I think Knicks fans would sign for that right now. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Wizards four games back, uh, only a half game back behind the, the Hawks. So uh, definitely a team that's not necessarily they're in, they're in the rearview mirror. They're not they're not you know on another highway in terms of where the standings are right now. You definitely see them back there. So um, this this is an important game. I think the Celtics game is an important game, almost because of with the Celtics. You're thinking about you know not well. You are thinking about playoff matchup because if you do get into a series where you get that five seed and then you win a first round series, you shock somebody. And you're probably going to be seeing Boston. So um, or, the Knicks or, have had some. Or yeah. if they fall into that seven eight, they could. They, right. They, yeah. And then now nah, that's the, the worst round. case scenario. But yeah, you're in a situation where maybe you're playing them in the second round series. So um, how they match up with Boston will be important for them as well. They had a uh, maybe their best one of the season, though. It seemed like they had a lot of those best one of the seasons right, stretched right. during this time with Mitchell Robinson's out. But arguably the best one of the season came in that uh, game against Boston where the Knicks went into overtime after blowing a lead in the fourth quarter and held on to win. Brunson and Randall really carrying the team in that one. And, I, boy, I, I talk about just excitement. Like, I can't remember the last time I was this excited for the Knicks to come back from an all-star break. Like, Jalen Brunson was playing so well and so out of his mind. And I saw somebody uh, posted – forgive me, I think it might be Hilltop Sports, I think they're called. They posted just, like, highlights of just, like, Jalen Brunson's first – first half of the season though really more his first three quarters of the season and just what he had done this season it's just the way he's been boogieing on guys like the fact that we get to get see that again friday night we'll get to see that over the weekend um and and see how he leads this team down this stretch it's gonna be awesome the way julius randall has played for most of this season josh hart not getting back in the action and we'll talk about mitch robson in a little bit I'm just excited to get these guys back. And I think that there's, uh, like you said, real optimism about what this team can do. Nobody is saying, you know, you know, get ready to be in the Canyon of Heroes uh, in, in July and June. I don't think anybody's thinking that. But I think people are looking at this saying, hey, there's a chance that you'll see some real competitive basketball. and You'll see the Knicks continue to make uh, strides in the right direction. So these are important games. And this little stretch here, um, again, kind of like what I talked about before with the, when they played the Hawks before the All-Star break, like, the, I mean, a lot of these teams they should beat. I mean, I you know they should beat Washington. Uh, that that game they had against the Wizards actually, again, talking about worst losses. I know there are a lot of candidates. Might have been the worst loss of the year. If you remember how poorly they played offensively in that uh, Washington game. Um, they got to get payback for that one. That's a team that they should beat. And the Pelicans have been sputtering. I mean, they 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 can't seem to kind of get on the same page. They've had so many guys in and out of the lineup. Uh, the Knicks typically dominate them when they come to Madison Square Garden during the night, the Zion era. So I would expect them to win those two games. And then you get to that Boston game and, you know, it's going to be a tough fight. You know, Boston is obviously one of the best teams in the league, but we just did a podcast episode uh, yesterday talking about, you know, the battle between Brogdon and Emmanuel quickly, which is, should be the battle for sick man of the year, but according to the odds makers, it's not. Maybe that's a showcase game for Emmanuel quickly there. So this is, these are exciting games coming up here. When you look at this Washington matchup in particular, it's fascinating from the sense that if the Knicks do not get one of those top six spots, it is extremely, not extremely, but very possible that they end up playing the Wizards in a playing situation. Uh, the Knicks right now, a half game ahead of Miami. Let's say that Miami passes them. They're right now three and a half ahead of Atlanta and then four full games ahead of Toronto and Washington. Those teams 
nine through ten or eight through ten rather kind of all jumbled up so if the knicks are seventh could washington get up to eighth absolutely they're only a half game back behind that eighth spot if you're in a playing situation with washington would you feel comfortable with the knicks in that kind of matchup yeah i mean listen of of the teams that they could play obviously you know there's no you know uh easy walkover matchup but i think the Wiz would definitely be a team that um doesn't quite have the same, you know, uh, upside, the same offensive talent, this kind of same kind of explosiveness um, that that some of the other teams kind of jumbled in the mix. Even um, a team that struggled mightily, like the Bulls, have plenty of talent, yeah. plenty of veterans, plenty of experience. Um, the Raptors, uh, we it seems like we've been waiting for them to yeah. finally figure things out, but uh, right. you know. Van Vliet's missing games for personal reasons, um, you know, last night. So, you know, who knows what's going on with Toronto, but I don't want to see them in a, in a, in a one-game uh, playing scenario. Um, so of all the teams, I, I'd probably, you know, prefer the, prefer Washington. Um, but as we saw recently, um, they're, they're certainly the walkovers. Um, they took it to the Knicks. Um, but, yeah, they, you know, again, as we're looking ahead now and um, we're in that position where we should be looking ahead, you – you kind of want to send a message to these guys like, yeah, we're, you know, you got us once, but you know, if you see us in a couple of weeks, don't think that, uh, you know, don't, don't take us for granted. And, uh, you know, we'll, I think they'll, they'll try to send a message tonight. And honestly, like, I think, yeah, we talk about how great that Josh Hart move, but he actually was like kind of the perfect player to like bring in, I think for not just the wizards, but for some of those other matchups too, particularly the, the Raptors, as you mentioned, like just think about how, difficult the Knicks had covering Kyle Kuzma in those games and yep, yep, um, yep. not having kind of that wing defender, you know, uh, Grimes too small, Randall too big, too slow, RJ just not playing defense at the moment. So really no one to guard Kuzma. He's had a huge games. Um, Hart, we know is probably about the same height as, as Grimes, but plays a lot bigger than his 6'5 frame. Like I would love to see him thrown on Kuzma and see what that does. So uh, this, I think, is an interesting game here. I think that if the Knicks have a matchup with the Wizards, I think that they're well-suited to play against that team. So it should be a fun one at the Garden Knicks. Or excuse me, uh, in Washington, at, at, uh, in D.C. So Knicks, Wizards, 7 p.m. Uh, in D.C. should be a fun one. And then we got two more games coming up on Saturday and Monday for the Knicks. So a lot happening there. But I do want to talk about a big return that is imminent. The Knicks will have a key piece for this stretch run as Mitchell Robinson returns to the lineup. Robinson was listed as questionable on Thursday as he returns from a broken thumb. Uh, Tip said uh, Robinson's Thursday practice went well. So um, there seems to be momentum that he could play on Friday as we record the show on Friday. He could, if he doesn't play Friday, certainly play over the weekend. Talk about the impact that Mitchell Robinson will have on this team, Tommy. How would he improve the Knicks offensively and defensively when he returns to the lineup? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, it's a good point. And when we talk about, you know, can they win two or three, you know, yeah. kind of projecting the record of the next six weeks, Mitchell Robinson is an important point. Um, he was the team's best defender over the first uh, 50 plus games of the season. You know, when he was active, 40, uh, I think 44, he played the first 40 games. Um, and uh, as I mentioned on the previous spot, uh, on Thursday's spot, 
The Knicks' defensive rating with Mitchell Robinson in the lineup, 11th overall in the NBA. The, the, the Knicks' defensive rating without Mitchell Robinson in the lineup falls all the way to 24th. So, obviously, the most important aspect of the thing that he brings to the table is interior defense. Um, you know, his block shots, you know, his blocks haven't been crazy this year, but that's actually a good sign, I think, of his development defensively, doing a better mm -hmm. job staying on his feet, not chasing stats like steals and blocks. Um, you know, more concerned with being a help defender and just altering guy shots as opposed to blocking them, um, you know, which is going to help keep him out of foul trouble, um, if not look as, as you know, as, as impressive as, as statistically. Um, yeah. Still, certainly Tibbs notices, um, coaching staff notices that type of stuff. Um, offensively, obviously, you, you know, he's going to finish if and when he gets the ball around the rim. Um, I think we'd all like to see a couple more lobs to kind of feed the big man, keep him engaged offensively. And then offensive rebounds. Um, he was in the in, in the midst of establishing himself as arguably the best offensive rebounder in the NBA. Um, you know, kind of him and Steven Adams were battling out there for a little while. And, and right yeah. before his injury, um, Mitch was playing that, you know, just really keeping balls alive on that offensive end. So, um, again, now we factor in the hopefully Hartenstein will continue to play as well as he played over the final month uh, prior to the All-Star break. Um, and again, if you have those 48 minutes of that two-headed monster of iHeart and Mitch Rob, um, that's a really good center combination. Um, that that can kind of the Knicks can differentiate themselves, um, you know, from from the rest of the league in terms of you know that that's that's a lot of talent. That's a, uh, you yeah. know um, those guys can contribute on both ends of the floor. So um, you know, Mitch Rob, you, you assume there'll be some rust there, um, but uh, assuming he's clear tonight, he's currently listed as questionable. Where where we are recording this on Friday afternoon, um, maybe he'll sit out tonight and then return for Friday. Maybe you don't want him playing back to backs or play Friday night, sit out Saturday's game, return Monday. Um, but make no mistake for the Knicks to kind of unlock their potential uh, and be the best team they can be. Um, that includes Mitch Robinson back healthy, doing what he does. R.J. Barrett uh, playing far better on both ends. Quinn Grimes knocking down shots. Yeah. You get all these kind of factors falling into place. Um, Knicks are a scary team, so uh, we'll, we'll see how it, how it shakes out. I think that's what's so exciting about this stretch run is that the Knicks – have played so well in this stretch without Mr. Robinson and has played exceptionally well since Josh Hart joined the team. But you still feel like they have not quite hit their ceiling because we know what Mr. Robinson brings to the table. We know R.J. Barrett's going to have to play better. He has a capability of playing better. Yes. We know Quentin Grimes has capability to be a better shooter, and he's got to shoot the ball better, and we know that that's possible. So if you do get those factors coming in and you still have Randall and Brunson playing at such a high level, Emmanuel quickly continuing to be a stud off the bench, iHeart continuing to be a stud off the bench in the, over the last month or so, I mean, then you're really cooking with gas. So there's a lot of excitement for this return for Mitchell Robinson. Um, like you said, his defense is uh, so important to the Knicks. Just his ability just um, – one, I think what's been maybe most impressive about Mitchell Robinson's in my opinion, his growth isn't like you said, necessarily shot blocking or sometimes even the vertical that he shows. Like he does a great job of that. And he's, we know he's seven foot one and you jump out the gym. We know he's going to always be able to do that. But I kind of like how he quarterbacks the defense. Like so much. I remember early in his career, they like, and this might be even a David Fisdale thing. Like Mitch Robinson is so quiet and, you know, he's kind of kind of a laid back dude. Like, you know, he wouldn't be calling out the signals, calling out the defenses. And that led to miscommunications oftentimes. And, even when the Knicks were struggling defensively all season, like hearing Mr. Robinson on that back line, calling out the signals, calling out the coverages and, and how he gets everybody in the right position. And I don't know how many times I've seen him when guys screw up him go to them immediately say, hey, this is where you're supposed to be on this pick and roll coverage. I think that you'll see the Knicks improve from that standpoint. Not to say that, you know, Jericho isn't solid, but 
Jericho is kind of like where Sim, uh, where Robinson was three years ago, where he's a quiet guy. I don't know how vocal he is in terms of making sure everybody's in the right position. So I think uh, the Knicks defense, I expect to take a, a big leap with Mitchell Robinson returning, just from being more on the same page in that regard. I also think offensively, I mentioned Josh Hart. One of the things that I think has been surprising for some who maybe aren't familiar with Josh Hart's game is how good a passer he is. I'm excited to see if when in the game time, but he gets some 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 time on the floor. Mitchell Robinson, some of those lobs he's been throwing to iHeart and Sims, especially iHeart. I wonder if he can get some of that action with uh Mitchell Robinson, some of those uh easy buckets for him. We know Mitchell Robinson is so elite when it comes to efficiency and ability to score around the basket. If he gets more opportunities, Knicks will do a lot better because he shoots almost 70% from the field. So a lot of positive signs and positive things to take away from uh, Mitch's return here. Definitely. And I agree. I think that's an important point with Mitch Rob. I, I kind of view him offensively as like that speedy wide receiver. He's not great at running routes. Um, you know, he's not going to run slants and digs, but, you know, he can take the top off a of defense. You know, what a speedster, yeah. an outside guy can do um, and, and just, you know, throw the ball downfield. And you only run the play a couple times a game or maybe the quarterback scrambling, but it keeps the defense honest. It keeps that safety leaking back instead of, you yeah. know, coming to the box. And, you know, so you, you know, it's, it's easier to run, um, you know, if you don't have eight guys in the box. Like those are the type of things just to plant it in the back of um, the, the defense's head that that's an option, something you have to worry about. Um, so I hope we see more of that, you know, kind of Mitch Robb um, and Brunson one five pick and rolls yeah. where, they, where they kind of get that going. Maybe that frees RJ Barrett a little bit if he gets going left and, and throws some, some lobs to Mitch. Um, and the other thing you mentioned with Hart is a great point on Kuzma because um, he has torched the Knicks the last two times. Absolutely. Um, so I, I expect Hart, you know, and that's an, a kind of an ideal matchup for Hart defensively. I think he'll take that that matchup. Uh, you know, he'll he'll he will have been focused. I'm sure Tibbs has sent him, you know, tape of those previous two games. And <laughs> oh he, yeah, he's looked at it, you know, for 40, 48 straight hours. Um, and you mentioned the passes with Mitch Rob. Yes, I think that's also an option. But something I was thinking about uh, the other day was maybe Obi can get some more open looks off off uh, Josh Hart passes, you know, yeah. as opposed to just standing in the corner, have him play the dunker spot, um, you know, have cut back door. Um, when you're now with your playing with Hartenstein and, and Josh Hart, um, those are two guys that could, that could potentially look for you. Um, so something we could see from that second unit a little bit. Um, and again, we didn't even talk about unlocking Obi in terms of, you know, yeah. reaching that next level. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to uh, potentially like in terms of, you know, putting it all together. Um, but, uh, you know, we're running out of time now. You know, there's only about five or six weeks left in the season. So um, if they're going to kind of get on the same page, you'd like to see them do it sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned, you know, Tiz probably sending Josh Hart plenty of material on uh, Kuzma. Remember, he was uh, emailing Julius Randle <laughs> over the summer about things to do and emailing Derrick Rose. Which everybody's like, why would you send that in an email? <laughs> why would you just text me or call me? So uh, we know Tibbs uh, uh, lives in Club Tarrytown, and I'm sure he 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 uh, he is very in tune with what they have to do to stop Kuzma on Friday. But yes, uh, the the return of Metro Robinson definitely uh, all good things for the Knicks. Are you a little concerned that the injuries could be a recurring issue for Mitch? Because this is you know been another year where he has to miss a month of time because of some injury, you know, this one being more freak, but honestly, I think all of them have been kind of freak injuries. I don't think any of them have been kind of wear and tear injuries. He had broken foot, uh, broken thumb here. Uh, any concern about injuries being a thing with Mitch? Or do you think that maybe this is just like a, a rough stretch of his career where he's just getting bad luck? 
No, I think you basically got to factor in, and I think we talked about it in one of the first pods we did. You almost got to factor in him playing like 65 games a year. You know, some right. players are, are just like that. Um, certainly, the, you know, taller, bigger's, uh, bigger, thin, thinner players. And, and Mitch isn't, isn't slight by any means, but he's not, you know, one of these tanks. Um, you know, so and, you know, as the, the, the positive side of the of the injuries is that they are sort of freak injuries. There's not a, you know, a recurring foot issue. You know, sometimes yeah. you get big guys that, you know, deal with a foot, you know, a crack in his foot that, that just doesn't heal or you know hasn't been the injuries it's been kind of these freak hands and and and, and thumbs and and things along those lines so um if there's one good takeaway uh from the consistent injury um it's it's that none of it's kind of weight bearing issues you know with, uh, with yeah. those all important joints um, but yeah going forward i think that's part of the reason why nick fans were concerned and, and some pundits were um criticized the contract the four-year deal uh, because if he plays 75 games a year and, and produces at that level that he's in at, he's going to exceed the value of that contract. The issue is he might he's going to miss chunks of 20 games at a time. You just hope he's healthy for this final six-week stretch into the postseason, um, and, and we'll see if that is the case this year at least. Mitchell Robinson, a key piece for the Knicks in this uh, stretch uh, to the playoffs here. Um, let's uh let's we wrap this show here. Let's uh let's kind of go around the league. I know we 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 did talk a little bit about some of the stuff happening around the league, but some of the stuff is Knicks adjacent. So I think we could uh, bring it up here. So let's start in Atlanta. Um, Nate McMillan is out as head coach. He was fired over the um over the All Star break. Tommy Beer calling a shot, saying that essentially that that game the Knicks played was uh, maybe the last game Nate McMillan ever coaches as the Hawks, and that was the case. They let him go at the Knicks, blew him out on February fifteenth. Quinn Snyder is said to be Atlanta's top target to take over the team, not just as a head coach, also maybe as a president of basketball operations, which is very fascinating to me, considering they did elevate Landry Fields as a general manager. Also, the team is reportedly looking to get a deal done in season. So I guess that would I would assume that means he could come in and coach in a week or two. I know Joe Prunty right now is the interim coach, but they're trying to get a deal done with Quinn Snyder right now. So a lot um, of stuff happening in Atlanta with that. Just uh, as a yeah. Woj bomb dropped in the last five minutes, actually, um, ESPN. So this is Wojnarowski just tweeted. ESPN sources: Quinn Snyder and the Atlanta and the Atlanta Hawks are progressing in talks on a deal to make him the franchise's next head coach, and a resolution could come within days. Snyder is full mm. is the full focus of the Hawks' search now, and sides are deep in conversations on what a vision for the future will look like together. Um, as a follow-up tweet, Woj says, Snyder has been discussing philosophy and organization building with GM Landry Fields, assistant GM Kyle Korver, and Oni Tony Resler in recent days. Conversations giving both sides a chance to fully think through how a partnership together would work, sources said. So uh, that the momentum there barreling towards Quinn Snyder being the lead man in Atlanta. Meanwhile, MA reporter Jared Weiss, over the course of all this turmoil, he said that he would expect that the Hawks could explore the possibility of trading Trey Young this offseason. So a lot happening with the Atlanta Hawks, a team that the Knicks beat on February 15th and have now uh, hit a, a maybe a reset button in Atlanta, a team that's also right behind the Knicks uh, in the standings uh, as Knicks sit about three and a half games up on them. So important to watch there. Other quick notes, um, the Kevin Love signed with the Miami Heat. He was bought out by the Cavs, so – as an impact on the Cavs and impact on the Heat. Again, two teams also. Uh, the Knicks should have interest in the Heat, just a half game behind the Knicks in the standings. And then Russell Westbrook staying in Los Angeles, but going over to play for the Clippers. So um, never a dull moment in this league. So first, 
I want to touch that Trey Young thing real quick before we even talk about Trent Quinn Snyder because we know the Knicks are in a situation where it's all about eventually trading for a star. That's at least what we've been told, that the plan is to amass these assets, play uh, quality basketball so you look like an attractive destination, and then use those assets and that attractive destination to convince a star who requested a trade that you're the right place for them, and then you can go trade them, and then that guy be your star moving forward. So anytime there's a star available, I think there's a conversation needs to be had about should the Knicks get this guy. So there are a lot of people, not just Jared Weiss, but a lot of other people also talking about could Trey Young be that next guy who asks for a trade and is he the next guy potentially on the market? Knicks right now have a point guard, um, but should the Knicks entertain bringing in Trey Young if he becomes available? The answer is yes. I mean, listen, the, Trey Young led the NBA in points, total points, and total assists last season. Um, I think he's just the second player in NBA history to do that. I think Tiny Archibald did it once. Um, but needless to say, those, those, that's not easy to do in a league as talented. And and for him to do it at age 22 or 23, um, whatever he was last season, um, he's played bad this season. I mean, you, he's, he's, he's basically, to give Nick fans some context, he's less efficient this season than R.J. Barrett is. Um, so that should kind of give you, he has a lower true shooting percentage, a lower effective field goal percentage. Um, so that, and, and you talk about high value, uh, the ball is always in his hands and, you know, turnovers are up. Um, that being said, uh, obviously this is cost prohibitive. I would be shocked if the Hawks even consider trading, um, Trey Young at any point over the next, you know, 12 months. Um, they just really? fired their head coach, presumably because Trey Young asked them to, or at least there was some conflict there. I don't know. I, you know, I pr- probably would have leaked out if he had directly demanded that the coach be fired. Um, mm-hmm. But it certainly, you know, there's a lot of smoke there around that relationship had soured between him and Nate McMillan. The Hawks made a decision, very unsurprisingly, to side with their star $200 million investment um, in Trey Young. Um, they're bringing in Quinn Snyder. Um, Snyder has a relationship of, you know, you know, has a, has a reputation of developing relationships with his players. Um, so I would, I think that's a good hire, uh, by the Hawks. I think it's a smart move by Quinn Snyder. Um, you're basically getting in on the ground floor of what, what promises to be a kind of venture, uh, you know, uh, at least a, a, an organization that has a, a roster that has the potential to be really good. Um, so again, I would be, unless Trey Young, the only way they would consider trading him is if Trey Young publicly, not only privately, but publicly demands that I'm, I'm not going to play another game in Atlanta for whatever reason, you know, who knows, you know, and will I say that's, that's impossible? Absolutely not. Um, we've seen, you know, in the last two weeks, you know, the prior to the also break Kyrie and KD and, and Ross. So we, we know how that situation plays out. Never say never in the NBA. That being said, um, I assume that this will kind of, you know, the, if the temperature was, if the, if the water was bubbling a little bit and the temperature was turned up, this will cool off, give everyone a chance to get a deep breath. Um, and then even over the summer, no matter how the season ends for the Hawks, if they obviously, if they win a playoff series or, you know, advance to the sixth seed or, you know, get into the playoffs and take the, you know, the Celtics to six games or something like that. Um, okay. Now we got Quinn Snyder. Let's get everyone on the same page. Yeah. Let's figure out what we do, want to do with John Collins. Maybe, maybe move him and get a player that's, you know, better suited to play alongside Trey Young, more of a defensive minded player. Um, all that stuff will get figured out. It's the first year with DeJounte Murray. We'll give that year, uh, that backcourt another year to kind of see how they gel. Um, if and when in the summer of 2024, um, things are still, everyone's on the same page. They have another disappointing season. I assume at that point um, they could start exploring 
Um, and that and even at that point, they'd be asking for the Donovan Mitchell package plus another couple picks or another, you know. Wow. So the, yeah, I think if you're if you're wow. talking about players Surprise. in terms okay. of in, in terms of value, a 25 year old player that can average 30 and 10 in today's NBA that can shoot the three effortlessly. Um, yes, he's a defensive liability, um, but plenty of other players are. I just think that you know plenty of other franchises would love to to have Trey Young as their centerpiece. Um, you know, in terms of statistical production, there have been very few players in league history that have been as productive over the first few years. And just in terms of the way the game is played, three-point shooting, um, you know, ability for for point guards to penetrate into the paint, how important that is. The way the the way the, the calls are officiated just favors a guy like Trey Young more than at any point in NBA history. Um, that's just there's there, I think again he's a very valuable piece. So I I would expect the Hawks to do everything within their power to keep him happy and keep him keep him in Atlanta. I'll be honest, a little I'm a little surprised uh, at, at the at the bullish praise for Trey Young. Not that he's not a, a extremely talented player. I just think that right now a lot of people are down on him, and, and for me, like when I think of a potential fit for the Knicks, I will give it away to Spider because of a side talk in terms of what I think about the Knicks going after Trey Young. It's Trey Young valid? No. no! Yeah, uh, is Trey Young valid? Not in my book right now. Um, I, I think that to me, first of all, Jalen Brunson is playing so good right now; like he's had a much better season. Yes, uh, and we and we talked about this prior to the. Yes, there was yeah. there was no question Jalen Brunson is having a better season than Trey Young. And if I'm the Knicks, I might prefer. Jalen Brunson too, considering right. you know Jalen Brunson's relatively young, the stability he brings to the organization, um, the locker room mentality. So I'm not sure the Knicks. I don't think the Knicks would have interest in Trey Young. But again, this okay. is an asset allocation business. If you have a chance, yeah, that, you know, if you have a Lamborghini, that doesn't mean you don't want a Ferrari. Also, um, if it you know if the cost is the right price, and he says I only want to play in New York for whatever weird reason, certainly I think the Knicks would consider it. Um, but again, they're very happy with the point guard as well. They should be. So I don't. This is no. By no means a knock on, on Jalen Brunson. I yeah. think Jalen Brunson would tell the front office, "Listen, if Trey Young wants to come here, let's figure it out." And that's a credit to Jalen Brunson as well. Like, obviously, they're not a fit together, but whatever yeah. you know. You, you again, you just try to get the best players and and, and, and then go from there. Um, but yes, the the Knicks for the first time in you know twenty years yeah. don't have to you know give you know don't have to dream about having a point guard because they have as good a you know if you know as quality a point guard as as they could hope for. And look, if you would have told me, uh, you know, even like, you know, prior to the start of 2023, would I enchain a Trey Young trade? And I think we kind of did mention it at one point. I would have said yes. Like, I, as good as Brunson was playing, I would have said, look, right. Trey sure. Young is close to that superstar level. And look, I'm trying to upgrade every position I can. As much as I love JB, I would consider it. I, I, the way JB is playing recently and, and what I've seen from Trey Young, I just, he, I feel like he's a guy who's really living on that series against the Knicks and Ben Simmons not wanting to shoot. He played against a team with a bunch of guys on one-year contracts, um, a first-time All-Star, and a guy, a team who had a 20-year-old as the second-best player. And, okay, he obliterated them. He played great. No question about that. And then he went up against a team whose second-best player didn't want to shoot. Like, what, like how much are we really going to talk about Trey Young and what's happened since? I thought in that Miami series, he got kind of exposed by that defense. He had a terrible series in that first-round matchup against the Heat last year, a series that a lot of people thought he played really well. I thought he played really well, given what we've seen from him previously in the playoffs. Um, he was a, he was a disaster in that series. And now you have this season, um, two coaches that he did not get along with now gone, uh, and Lloyd Pierce now, Nate McMillan. I will say this. 
Um, I have been Quinn Snyder might be my favorite coach, like in the NBA. Like I've I've always been a super uh, super fan of Quinn Snyder. Like in some ways, I think people kind of forget what happened with Quinn Snyder with Utah. Like the reporting wasn't necessarily that Danny Ainge wanted him gone. Uh, Danny Ainge essentially kind of wanted him back, and uh, Quinn Snyder said, "Look, I don't want to be a part of a rebuild," and that's why he eventually resigned. He didn't get fired. So I, I think to me. Quinn Snyder is a great fit. And I think he's a great fit for Trey Young because I think that the way he coaches offensive basketball, he'll actually get Trey Young to not dominate the ball as much as he he has. And now it's going to take Trey to have an open mind. He's got to be willing to play that way. But I think he's, and in many ways, a perfect coach for Trey Young. So that's part of the reason why I think that that I don't know how strongly they will try to trade him. But I just get, first of all, you talked about the temperature bubbling up. I mean, uh, you know, shout out to my guy, Carl Dukes, who works at CBS Sports Radio. And I know he does local radio in Atlanta. I mean, just seeing his reactions, seeing some of the local Atlanta sports radio reaction. I mean, it is it is at a boiling point in terms of the frustration with Trey Young as a leader. Maybe not necessarily from the fan base, but definitely from the media. So I, I, I don't know how often, how willing he will be to con- kind of run this back again with this organization, a team that has talent, but looks stuck. They look like. Even if they, you know, maybe make one or two trades here to kind of change the furniture, at best they look like a top six, seven team. Like they don't look like a team that is competing with the Bucks and Celtics for sure. They definitely look like a step below those teams. So does he look to say, hey, maybe there's some someone else I can go after? Do the Hawks say, hey, maybe you know we do need to tear this thing down and, and start from scratch? Or maybe they say, hey, John Murray is a two way player who can play point. Maybe we put give him the ball. And we give Trey Young and see if we can get a, a top-notch wing to play next to Murray. I think all these things could be on the table, but the, the situation in Atlanta is definitely fascinating, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, again, I just think from you know if you're if you're rebuilding or, or tearing the thing down, to have a 24-year-old that averaged 29 and 10 last year yeah. um, is kind of the guy you want to build around. But again, I get it. you could argue that they're empty stats. You could argue that he gives up just you know nearly as many points as he generates. I, I get all that. Um, I just think if you're trading that guy away, you're going to have a hard time finding. Um, but I do. It is interesting that the, the fact that the Atlanta media, Atlanta media, um, with you know, and, and his leadership doesn't seem like it's top notch. Um, so there's 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 a there could be some smoke there. Um, I'd be very yes. interested to see. Um, and the other thing that does make it at least somewhat plausible is having Dejounte Murray, who they gave up a ton for, um, that could slide in and and handle point guard duties. It's very rare that a team has two capable play, players, two players capable of playing point guard at an all star level, um, but Atlanta does. So that that at least gives um, it makes it a little bit more likely that they would at least explore opportunities. Yeah, look, Trey Young is immensely talented. I I love Trey Young coming out of the draft, but I I do. I do hope that maybe this is a wake-up call because um, yeah. a lot came to him very fast after that yeah. playoff run a couple of years ago and went to the Eastern Conference Finals. And there's been very little to show for since. Um, I think that in many ways he has the talent to absolutely be a top-notch guard, a perennial all-star, and a guy who leads his team deep in the playoffs year in and year out. But um, th- this is this is now you're looking at two coaches that I don't think would necessarily speak highly of him on the way out, and there have been frustrations with him moving forward i hope that you know maybe this is his jason kidd in dallas and phoenix era you know kidd was throwing out coaches left and right i mean he's, he's still threw out byron scott even in new jersey but you know like i'm hoping maybe this is that young era where you know exciting player comes onto the scene maybe he doesn't understand how to handle being a leader handle being uh a guy who everybody looks at with all the pressure and i hope that maybe he, he kind of goes in this next phase of his career and really kind of shines i hope and, not for the knicks but right. against the knicks but but you know just for his career because he and, has the talent 
And then when when and when Jay Kidd's value was at his lowest early in his career, the Nets yep. took advantage and then rode that to multiple final you know exactly. final appearances and um, you know one of the best players of all time. And you know uh, yes, yep. his, his his reputation as a coach killer was well earned. Um, but again, in the NBA, um, if you can play point guard at that level, and Trey Young is nowhere near Jason Kidd in terms of all around production um, because of what what Kidd brought on the defensive end as well. Um, but yeah, those that type of talent is is rare. So that those why those those guys will have second and third and fourth and fifth chances. Absolutely. But you're right. The fact that the coaches that have been around him don't speak highly of him is not a great, uh, not a great sign. Absolutely. And then real quickly, love going to the heat. Any thought on how that impacts this Eastern conference race, this, this chance, this, this fight with the Knicks trying to stay above water and stay out of the seventh seed. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, if for no other reason, if the heat and Cavs play each other in the first round, that'll be very interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. But uh, yeah, I just I don't think it's a major move one way or the other. Um, the reason Love was completely out of the rotation for the five seed in the East because defensively he just couldn't stay in front of guys. Um, teams are targeting him every time down the floor and pick and rolls, etc. Um, and he's a crafty defender and he's a veteran. He's a high basketball IQ. Drew some charges. Um, so I was yeah. surprised to see that he couldn't at least get you know 15 minutes tonight for Cleveland and and they were cool uh, moving on from him. Um, but yeah, at the same time I wouldn't be surprised if there's a game. Um, maybe it's against the Knicks. They, you know, again, they, the Knicks play the Heat three times over the, over the final uh, five weeks of the season here, where he scores 18 points and, and knocks down five threes, um, and, and really gives the Heat a, a, a you know big bump off the bench. Um, we saw him do it in Cleveland. I, I forget what you know early in the season when he had yeah um, yeah you know, at that game in uh, in Cleveland. Yeah. In Cleveland, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there'll be other nights where he scores, you know, four points in, in four minutes and probably some nights where he, he's at DMPCD. Um, but, yeah, a good, smart move by the, the Heat who have depth issues. Um, they've dealt with some injuries. They just haven't been able to figure out their rotation. Um, can't hurt to have a guy like that in your locker room. Um, and I've always had respect for Kevin Love just for the, uh, uh, the, the attention he's brought to mental health awareness too. So, yeah, um, for sure. good dude, good locker room guy. Um, I, don't, I don't really see a downside there for Miami. Yeah, it's worth the gamble. I mean, they've been playing guys like Hayward Highsmith a, a yes. ton of minutes. Um, yeah. You know, they, 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 he did not have a lot of depth. So no. uh, they can take a flyer on a guy like this. I do think one of the problems that he have is uh, they are not an athletic team. And I think in some ways what has always been impressive about their defense is how much they fly around. And when you got a team that's thrown out there, Kyle Lowry and Kevin Love and, you know, Tyler Hero is not going to play any defense. Um, Jimmy Butler is a great defender, but you know, he's older. That probably my only concern is, is, you know, how much does this hurt the heat? Like, you know, what you can say about a guy like Highsmith or some of these other younger players are playing Orlando Robinson. These guys are young. They could fly around a little bit. Him taking time out away from those guys that hurt their defense, maybe. But if he goes around, hits a couple of clutch threes, um, to, to help the heat secure a fifth or a sixth seed, or he wins a game because he hits a couple of clutch threes, as you know, he's capable of maybe yeah. it's worth it. So, um, it the, the yeah. one thing, the one thing I would say about Miami is I'm really surprised they didn't address that point guard issue. Um, we, oh we yeah, talked about it after the Knicks torched Lowry um, early in the season. He just looked like a shell of himself. It turns out he missed four or five games um, with knee soreness after that Knicks game, and it wasn't surprising because he looked, you know, like he was stuck in quicksand um, trying to guard IQ and Brunson and those guys. So, um, you know, we'll see if that you will see if maybe some rest if the also break how how he plays well, but um, that's got to be a, a source of concern for Miami certainly. It is going to be a fun race to follow in the East. Knicks right in the thick of it. That's going to do it, though, for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods. Tommy, let people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ Stewart, 
uh, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. That'll do it for now. Thank you guys for checking out this edition of Orange Blue Bloods, a Odyssey WFN original uh, posted by myself and the course Tommy Beer every week. We drop three times a week. You can catch all these episodes on uh, on any platform you have, um, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure it's the auto-download feature so you can get these episodes when we drop. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube on the Odyssey Sports channel where we do not just our full episode. We also post segments from the show, so make sure you check us out on YouTube as well. That's going to do it now, though. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. For Tommy, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.